Welcome into the 30 for 30 Club podcast. I'm your host, John Thorpe, joined as always by Bobby Nemeth. And uh, we're recording late in the evening, so I guess you get a John and Bobby After Dark segment today. Just like good old times, right, Bobby? Just like good old times. Um, right after work, too. So you get sick, tired Bobby uh, after two weeks. Uh, the best version of myself. Exactly. That We specifically scheduled it for that time frame. Uh, it's Very also our Thanksgiving strategic. episode, so happy yes, Thanksgiving is. week to everybody. Yes, happy Bobby. Thanksgiving if you celebrate, uh, whatever you do, have a great week, whatever it is, and if not, just enjoy the time off and relax a little bit. Bobby, one thing in the last year that you're thankful for uh, since the last Thanksgiving. Oh man. One thing, though, I have so, I actually have quite a few, but if I had to sum it up, it'd be family. Um I left my job a year ago, almost to the day, and without the support of my family, and I include Hana in on that as well, uh, I wouldn't be on the path I am now. I wouldn't uh, have been able to be where I am uh, in, in many facets. My family supported me and came through in many different ways, and so, yeah, I'm very grateful for them. There you go. Well, I would I would normally say family, but since you said that, I'll I'll come up with something else. Maybe the other cliche. I'll say friends. Friends. It's been uh, we got both Fs. I think that I've done a better job in the last year of keeping up friendships, even though I'm a little bit further away geographically from a lot of friends. I think uh, just via texting and. You know, sports in all honesty, uh, what we talk about on this podcast all the time, you know, like been been keeping up with friends a little bit more that way, you know, via text message than maybe I did in the past. And it's kind of cool to you can't really get rid of me, John. Like, I'm going to hit you up at some point. <laughs> well, I wasn't talking about you. <laughs> Naturally, we're co-hosts. We're not actual friends. I, I'm sorry. No, I you are included in that, of course, but yes, uh, nice to nice to be in touch with people and and feel feel that sense of connection, even if we're not in the same city or state. So, I think it gets so much harder the older you get. Everybody has busy lives. They get families and kids, side projects, work is tough, whatever it may be, to stay in contact. And I think most friend groups end up, you know, getting smaller and shrinking um, as you get older, but if you do put a little energy into it, uh, it makes a world of difference. So I, I commend you on doing that because I'm not always the best at that um, either. And so I appreciate you reaching out and keeping that connection as well, John. Yeah, I think COVID was a good reset for me of like when I had more time and everything just kind of settled down. Uh it was a good reset for me to get in touch with people again and kind of reach out to friends that I hadn't talked to because life got crazy. And when we were all like quarantined for those first few months, uh, you know, I basically like reached out to everyone and, you know, I, I haven't kept in consistent contact with all of those people, but I'd say, you know, a lot of those people I reached back out to, I've kept a thread in the last two years, or at least I, I like to think I did. I mean, I think as long as you just keep like at least one line of communication open on you, just every now and then you drop a pebble in the pond, you're at least staying in the mind. You know what I mean? You're staying in the consciousness. Exactly. So, yeah, it's good. And we're uh, 
going to host Thanksgiving at our place this year for the very first time. This is like a big, big step deal. in adult yeah, big step big in deal, adulthood. Man. We have we have the kitchen for it now. We have the the dining room table now. So having everybody here and that will be fun. We Christy and I did a ton of grocery shopping today. We braved the Costco parking lot that is uh, you know, American society. Everyone can relate to that. Uh, got a prime rib. We're going to switch it up this year. No, Hell turkey. yeah. I love that for you guys. Thank you. Yeah. So uh, we'll see how it goes. Hopefully the food isn't a disaster. And we'll, uh, you know, we'll hopefully we don't scare people off for Thanksgiving next year. How's Christy doing with that? Is she, is she holding it together? Is she like super unplanned? I'm organized or is she kind of freaking out a little bit? Oh, we're very organized. You know us. We have I mean, a I know spreadsheet. We have a spreadsheet for who's bringing what, and she <laughs> like created a grocery list of all the ingredients that we needed for every recipe. So yeah, we're we're doing good. It, it's kind of like we just have anything to, less. We have to get through the next three days of work because we're kind of just like already our mind is in, you know, holiday mode. Are you guys doing a pie Wednesday night? Are you guys making pies on Wednesday night? Yeah, we're gonna have we're gonna have a lot of pie. When does family uh, get in for you guys? When does family get in? They yeah, get they, in. With like Tuesday, uh, Wednesday? Well, they're deciding between Wednesday night and Thursday morning. I gotcha. Depending on uh, Seattle traffic. That's going to be but, rough, uh, though, to come all the way down. I mean, it's, a, I mean, it's not that bad. It's what, two and a half sh- hours, three hours, Bobby, maybe? We, Bobby, sh- we want people to come visit us. Don't say that it's rough. I mean, from Seattle and like if on Thanksgiving, it is rough. That's all I'm saying. Like if you leave Thanksgiving morning for Thanksgiving dinner, that's that's a long day. That's all I'm saying for them. It is a long day. They haven't decided yet. We'll be ready whenever they're here. Anyway. Uh, Well, best of luck. I'm sure it's going to go splendidly. Speaking of Thanksgiving and Portland, the Gonzaga Bulldogs. You like how I did that? I do. They are nice. in Great Portland segment. on Friday. They are going to be part of the Phil Knight Invitational, which is a big, like, early season college basketball tournament. And so I'm contemplating getting tickets. I have some Zags in the family that will be here. So hopefully it's not too hard to persuade them to. And you're a Zag, that my dude. And I'm a Zag. And uh, so, yeah, Gonzaga is going to be here. And I thought we would open up this show talking about how. Gonzaga played a game today. They have now played four games this season. Started out against some school in Florida. That's not some important. school in Florida. That's right. A little warm uh, up. Blew them out. Then they played on a carrier against the Michigan State Spartans and just barely eked it out. And then lost to Texas earlier last week. And then today they beat number was four. it number four Kentucky. Yeah, number four, Kentucky. Although, yeah, so you know, been... early season, early season rankings, so. Right. It's been a tough schedule to start out, which is exactly what Gonzaga's tried to do, I would say, the last five, six years, is really front load that schedule with as difficult a teams as they can to build a resume and overcome that criticism that they have a weak conference. I mean, it's it's just a necessity for them. And if if you have just been listening to us or just been following mostly for baseball, when we first started this podcast nearly a year ago, 
we did do like kind of a March Madness episode. And so Gonzaga is near and dear to our hearts. Uh, John went to Gonzaga. My brother went to Gonzaga. One of my best friends went to Gonzaga. Been in and around Spokane, Washington. So uh, it will be a consistent storyline, even if we're talking mostly baseball. So as you said, the Zags have to front load their non-conference schedule because if they don't, they just will not get the credit that they deserve from the media, from the country, and uh, from the people that do the rankings too. So they usually have one of, if not the hardest non-conference schedules to start up the season to say, hey, we're willing to play these big five conferences and um, we'll show that we can compete. And uh, even though they got their asses beat by Texas, they showed up against Kentucky tonight. They sure did. And, uh, you know, Kentucky's Kentucky's no slouch, especially to have to do that a couple days after Texas. They have an opportunity to play Florida, Xavier, Purdue, West Virginia, and Duke <laughs> later this week. So is that part of the tournament? Yeah. So they uh they got a lot of difficult games coming up and it it, it doesn't stop from here. You know, it's interesting because they're they so they start off the season ranked number two in the country. So you're thinking, okay, Zag's back in the top three to start the season. But I think this is probably the weakest team they've had in at least four years. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, they they probably this is the first time in a few years that they haven't had like a top. uh, I I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, but like a top five high school recruit uh, that's like kind of coming in as a freshman as just Mm -hmm. like a last three years star. The way that Jalen Suggs and Chet Holmgren did. I believe that Hunter Solace was a really high recruit. Yeah, he was uh, too. So it was uh, maybe what... top 20 in the country or something like that. I can't remember if it was him or Strother came with Suggs. So they got maybe those last year with Holmgren, but they got two top fives. And it was either Salas or Strother that was a part of that. Okay. But I can't remember exactly what their ranking was. Yeah, but it, it it they don't have that like clear guy that's going to be a top five NBA draft pick. Not this year, anymore. So. No, I mean Timmy might finally break through. He's a fifth year senior. Uh, he's clearly their best player, and I think you'd expect that. But you kind of hope that Strother had a good game. Bolton is a good player. I think he might like both of them might be good enough to get drafted. We'll see. But yeah, not like a lottery pick. I mean. You think about the last two years, they had Suggs and Holmgren both go in the top, what, three? Both those guys were Zags, so that's pretty impressive to have in your lineup year after year. Yeah, and, and you know, Jalen Suggs is starting, just side note, is starting to really heat up in the NBA finally mm-hmm. in his sophomore season. He had a <clears throat> huge, like, last-minute bucket the other night that was not as good as the UCLA bucket, but it was like... A little no. reminiscent of No, that. but he's getting some of that swag back that he had when he was in college. Yeah. Uh, tonight against Kentucky, they they handled business in the first half. Uh, outscored Kentucky by, uh, looks like, 16. 16 points. And then the second half was a just a huge high-scoring game uh, where each team both put up 47, which for college is a lot for a half. 
Um, but that first half is what saved them. They had a pretty balanced scoring effort. Uh, Bolton, Timmy, and Strother all had over 20 points. And that's what you like to see, like having enough sharing going on to where the game doesn't have to just all be on Timmy's shoulders. I think, I think that's hopefully uh, an optimistic thing for them moving forward because I, I think in the first couple games, really most of everything ran through Timmy and he was the only guy that was really producing and a threat. So, you know, if they can get, I mean, Watson did pretty good, but if they can get Bolton and Strother, and I'd like to see him get Salas more in the mix, but if all those guys start getting going, like then they become a top three team. I think it was a good, it was a good stepping stone for them tonight. I mean, obviously Kentucky, yes, they're number four in the country, but they just lost to Michigan state. And now they lost the Zags, so they're three and two. You know, we'll see what they're are where they're at at the end of the year. They might be a top twenty-five team, maybe they're a top five team. You don't know, but it's still a good win against the Blue Blood and John Calipari. And I think this will hopefully give them some confidence because they got that tournament coming up, and then right after that they face number five Baylor. So, like you said, it just doesn't end. Yeah, they have to play. I mean, they might play K- Kentucky, Baylor, and Duke all in the first three weeks of the season along with texas who's probably a top five team and then later on down the road in a week or two they they play alabama who's in the top 20 so they get a gauntlet man but i think you know i i don't think they're gonna go undefeated that against all those guys they'll probably get a loss or two in there and that's that's okay i think it's a tough non-conference schedule and as long as they get a couple wins in there it'll get battle hardened and more experience and come NCAA tournament time, hopefully they can compete again because it's been, what, six, seven straight years where Zags are usually one of the favorites to win the title. So I'd like to see them continue that trend. For sure. All right, on to baseball. The offseason is here, and we finally had the awards. It felt like forever. I don't know if you felt this way, Bobby. Totally. But it felt like the awards were later. I thought that there were some years where they started like kind of sprinkling them during the playoffs. And this year it was just like two weeks after the world series ends. I swear, like you said, I, when I was younger, I'm pretty sure the awards were announced like right before the world series. Yeah. So they've changed the format. It doesn't feel like that long ago either. No, maybe 10 years ago, maybe 10 years ago. So the whatever the format they did, it changed a little bit. Now they 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 announce the finalists. They never used to do that. Like, do you think that it takes away from the like the hype and the celebration to do it mid November when nobody's thinking about baseball? I don't know because I, I think it's a way for them to extend baseball. Also, yeah, instead Taking of compact out of the NBA's right. Book I mean, think about the hot stove too, like. That's what keeps people engaged with the sport. And we'll get into hot stove obviously later, but you know, you wanna it, you wanna keep the attention, the focus on the game as long as possible. So I think maybe that's why they've dragged it out a little bit. Yeah. Well let's uh let's go through the awards. We'll start with MVP, the big one at the top. The NL, a, a bit of a surprise, I would say. You think especially, so? Especially especially from uh preseason odds. Uh would be Paul Goldschmidt, first baseman for the St. Louis Cardinals, who we've talked about a lot on this pod. We've talked about all these players really on this pod, but 
uh, you know, he's been a perennial all-star, you know, one of the best guys at his position for, gosh, fifth, not 15 not years. 15, but 10 years, maybe? 10. Close ten, to? Over seven, 10. 7, yeah. 8, 10 years. Um, and, you know, when, when those COVID years hit, he kind of hit a dip in his career, and he thought, okay, he's entering his, I think he was, you know, 32 or 33 at that time. Um, you thought, okay, maybe this is where it starts trailing off. He's at the end of his peak, but he came back this year and was probably the best first baseman in baseball. Um, he, I think he all edged around out, edged out free free Fred, Freddie Freeman, uh, who's free usually free. usually kind of considered the top dog in that position. But yeah, Paul Goldschmidt, his first MVP award. I think you know. I think I mentioned this at the beginning of the pod. When we first started recording that him and Nolan Arenado were two of my favorite and I felt like most underrated players. And I think they both got their credit finally this year. And Paul Goldschmidt winning MVP, it was inevitable. I feel like there could have been a couple other seasons where that could have happened. So I'm glad to see that he finally is in the limelight and he's gotten the credit that he deserves and the award. He did end pretty weak. He had a really bad September, but even with as bad of a September as he had, uh, it was still enough to win MVP. And I don't think it was very close. Who were the, who were the other finalists? It was Manny Machado and I think Nolan Arenado. So yeah, Nolan Arenado got third. Yep. Um, so there wasn't like an extremely strong class of MVP candidates for the NL. Like they were all very good, had great seasons, but there wasn't somebody that was just like above and beyond. I think, Goldschmidt was for the most of the season, but by the time that September happened, there it felt like they were all Machado and Arenado and Goldschmidt were kind of on the same playing field. But I think when you put everything else together the whole season, uh, I'm glad it's Goldie. I think uh, totally the right call. I think uh, just to reiterate the point I made about the odd uh, peaks and valleys of his career or the odd arc of his career. He was a seven-time All-Star. He got it six years in a row from 2013 to 2018, which was pretty much like his second season onward. And then he hadn't gotten an All-Star team for three consecutive years until this year. Like that, It's pretty odd and pretty rare to have somebody who like gets the MVP award in their first All-Star season in a while. You know, usually... Usually your MVPs were all stars the years before. Right. But uh but this was Sometimes. like a huge comeback for him. Yeah, I mean he's thirty five, so there's no guarantee he's gonna hold this over into next year and it's age thirty six season, but he doesn't seem to be slowing down at all. And he's a pure hitter, so I really feel like he'll still be able to hit for a while and he's gold glove caliber first baseman and he has been, so I still think he's got another three years of high productivity out of him. Yeah, for sure. Okay, AL, Bobby, can you do that? AL, yes. All rise, John. All I knew rise. you were going to say it. I knew you were going to yeah, say it. I know you did. Uh, Aaron Judge, and I don't think that was a shock. I think there was some people out there that are trying to stir up the pot a little bit and say, oh, Shohei's going to give him a run for his money. He pitches, Judge doesn't pitch, and so on. But even if, if you combine their F4, Judge just, I mean, he was a historic season in many different ways. Uh, he won't, I think he got 28 out of 30 first place votes. So it really wasn't close. The rightful MVP award winner in the AL was Aaron judge. And, uh, he becomes 
I think only the second, I saw this statistic the other day. This is a Yankee stat. The second Yankee player to win Rookie of the Year and MVP. And I think the other one was Thurman Munson. Uh, and if you don't know who that is, was a uh, iconic catcher for the Yankees during the uh, 70s. And uh, tragically died in a plane accident, actually, um, to end his career. So he's a guy that's held up in really high regard in Yankee lore. Um, and so to be in that category with Thurman Munson and, you know, Babe Ruth and Roger Maris, uh, Aaron Judge is, is making noise. <laughs> you just got to hope that he sticks around to continue to make Yankee history. But congratulations, Aaron Judge, the rightful winner. Yeah, no surprise that. I feel like the MLB is so home run centric. That totally. They they weren't going to give it to anyone else. It just couldn't but... be. Home runs beat everything in baseball. That's just it. Yeah. All right. Cy Young, we have in the NL, Sandy Alcantara. And I don't have the exact statistic with me, but I'm going to credit this to Bobby's brother, Barry. Barry, it was if you're 17%. Listening. 17% of the NL Cy Young Award winners have been named Randy or Sandy. And this carries on with that tradition. Uh, The most random, useless baseball statistics you will hear today, and probably for a while. I don't know, man. Baseball's Uh, got so many. But uh, that's pretty fun that, you know, who knows if his parents named him Sandy after Sandy Koufax. You never know. Uh, I'm sure that there's that question's been asked by a reporter before, but Sandy Alcantara, most people probably don't know him because he pitches for the Miami Marlins and who watches the Miami Marlins, but he's been really good and he was very consistent all season uh, at the top of that ladder, really, uh, when you think about the uh, Cy Young Award in the NL. I think it was a it was a given. I, I think we did. We did predictions maybe in August or September, August or something. I think most of the people that won are the people that we predicted. So I think we had Sandy on there. He's lights out, man. I think the only shame is that he pitches for the Miami Marlins. You got to think at some point he will not be there, whether it's through free agency or a trade. Uh, he's he's disgusting, and that Marlins rotation is actually really good. So we'll see if uh, who is it, Pablo Lopez, gets traded in the offseason. Might happen. Well, they already traded one of their pitchers. Oh, did we'll they? Get to that later. Okay, we'll talk about that later. Yeah. But yeah, hats off to him, man. He's young, he's electric, and I think uh, he'll be around for a while. I don't think he'll be with the Marlins forever. I think it's a good thing. And once he gets out of that that uh, that shadow, I think he really is going to skyrocket to be uh, one of the superstars in baseball. Shadow, man, that's rough. I'm sorry if there's any Marlins fans listening for my co-host here. Look, they're sorry, too. They they know. Come on now. They know. Marlins' right, ownership uh, Justin, is, is something else. The AL Cy Young goes to Justin Verlander. No surprise there. Uh, you know, just putting up numbers like he's 27 and it's 2010. And, and after not pitching for like three years. Two yeah. years. At 39. It's unheard of, really, it, when you think about it. It is. I mean, it's a little bit... Um, oh, my gosh. what? Who am I thinking of the, the pitcher? Nolan Ryan. It's a little Nolan Ryan-esque. Yeah, but Nolan Ryan was always doing that, right? Like, he, I think he pitched for 27 years. And I don't know if he missed three years and then came back and had a 1-7 ERA. You know what I mean? Like, 
it's pretty insane what Justin Verlander has done. I feel like he's resurrected his career like three times now. And I've said this a million times on the podcast, but he did it without strikeouts really mm-hmm. for the first time in his career. Uh, usually the thinking goes that, you know, the more strikeouts you have, the more effective you are as a pitcher. Um, and once you lose that ability to get those whiffs, your uh, your ERA and your whip are going to kind of follow and, and start to balloon. But he's he's a very smart individual. I'm sure he has a ton of really smart people around him who are experts in this field and this craft. And they figured out a way to make him effective without uh, getting all the swinging strikes that he did earlier in his career. He just induces a lot of soft contact. His curveball is really hard to square up, and his fastball's got late life. He doesn't throw 99 or to 100 anymore. I think he's still around 96, 97, but he said he's just a smart pitcher. He knows how to actually pitch, and he still has. Even though he's not as electric as he used to be, his stuff is still really good. So when you compare that or pair that with a pitcher that's extremely intelligent, uh, you get a 170 ERA. Yeah. All right, the Rookie of the Year. NL goes to, there were top two Braves in the top two for this award, and it really could have gone either way, I think. Mm. They ended up giving it to their rookie outfielder, Michael Harris Jr., uh, who beat out Spencer Strider, who we've talked about a lot in this podcast. We haven't talked as much about Michael Harris, but almost because that team is so deep that it's like... Just another young guy. Yeah, they keep churning out young talent. You, all these guys are like under 27 on that team. And they're all locked up, too. All of them are all locked up under contract. I mean, if they get Dansby back, they have a core for like 10 years. Did Ronald Acuna win Rookie of the Year? I probably. I couldn't, I couldn't tell you off the top of my head, but I would, I would have to bet that he did. He did. He won, he won it in 2018, so... Their franchise player, superstar, won in Rookie of the Year just four years ago. And now they have another one. I think Michael Harris could be the best player on that team eventually. I mean, he's got speed, hits for contact, hits for power. He's a great defender. He's a five-tool player. And he's got, like, when I say he's got power and pop, it's like I went to a Braves-Mariners game and watching him hit BP, like, the ball flies and carries off of his bat. I mean, he was putting up in the third deck in right field. And then on top of that, I think he hit about a 300. Like I said, he's a good defender, great on the base pass. He's uh, he's going to be really dangerous. And, you know, Acuna obviously is generational talent, but he tore his ACL and he struggled coming back from that injury. So you don't know when and if you're going to get the same Acuna back. But to have Michael Harris the second in your back pocket is is. That's a pretty good deal. Yeah, it's uh, it's not bad. So the other guy that's also electric, totally, that is also uh, somebody you saw this year quite yes, a bit. Yes, Julio, Julio, Julio Rodriguez, the phenom in Seattle, center fielder. Uh, this one was not really in question. I don't think at all. Pretty no, much, it after, wasn't even close after June. It was like, okay, as long as he plays the rest of the season, he's going to get it. Man, if you would have counted the postseason, though, Jeremy Pena would have had, had an argument there, but uh, that is not what happens. You just look yeah. at the regular season. But Julio was clearly above him 
above and beyond the best rookie in his class, uh, but also one of the best players in baseball on top of that, which is why he got his record contract. So uh, huge mares again, another rookie outfielder sparking the Mariners' success. He had a 6.2 war as a, as a rookie, 28 home runs, 25 stolen bases. That stolen bases number could have been larger and it probably will be larger this, uh, this next season with all the the rule changes bigger. He, I think he stole like 20 in the first half of the season or something like that. And they really just like, they shut him down, (laughs) had him stop doing a couple injuries. Yeah. He had some lingering injuries there, but like, it's pretty rare to have a 25, 25 guy in baseball in this day and age. Maybe we'll see more of it next season, but that on top of a pretty high batting average of 284 playing every single day in center field, one of the most demanding positions. Yeah. It's, and his defense is no joke either. He's, he's just awesome. Like, I don't know how else to put it. Like it, not only is he a great player, but like, he's got so much charisma and energy. He's so good for that team in that locker room in the city. Like he's just, he's a superstar man. And I'm so happy they locked him up. Because they're going to be able to do a lot of great things around him. I should also mention that he was seventh in AL MVP voting. That's insane. Yeah, I didn't see that <laughs> part, but that's insane. Ahead of Mike Trout. So, okay. pretty wild. I, I will say Mike Trout probably should be... He's still Mike Trout. Like Everybody needs to calm down. Can you believe that there was somebody that got a first place vote over... Julio Rodriguez. There was one person. It wasn't unanimous. Who? Like, don't, uh, do you know what it is? Don't tell me. I'll guess. Does it show who you? The reporter. No, 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 no. Not the reporter. Who got the vote? Like, don't tell me who oh, got yeah, the vote. Yeah. Okay. Is it? I know who it is. Is it Jeremy Pena? Is not. Uh, it can't be Bobby Witt. No, no, no. Adley Rushman. Right? Is that right? Yeah. It was Adley Rushman. Yes. Uh, he. Whoever that voter was i don't know what they were thinking i mean i know catcher is a hard position maybe he's an orioles a, fan you know like, a, maybe he's like yeah. thank thank the lord we're not terrible the learning curve is huge for a catcher but still that's unacceptable that's bad you tell him john you tell them <laughs> all right and then finally manager of the year we had buck showalter in the nl for the new york mets who, uh, you know, they kind of metzed it during the playoffs, but they found I a thought way. they were gonna. I thought they were gonna metz it during the regular season, and they just never did. No, I mean, I know they lost the division lead, but they ended the season with the same record as the Braves. They won 101 games. I mean, it's a good season, but you're right; they did met it in the playoffs. Uh, they always find a way. They always find a way to disappoint. They do. Uh. He's been at this for a long time. I need to look at how old is our good friend. He's 66, but he looks like he's 96. He looks old. <laughs> yeah, he looks like he's in his 70s. So the the picture on baseball reference is like the most old man get off my lawn. Like he's totally he's, he's got these jowls he's frowning. Kind of looks like an English bulldog. Yeah, he really does. Um how he's only 66, that is that's pretty wild. Good for him. I don't think he's won a World Series either, so he might take the mantle over from Dusty Baker now as being one of the more successful managers to not win a World Series. Yeah. Uh, And then 
AL Manager of the Year went to Terry Francona, who I believe he's gotten that award. How do we feel about that? Because I kind of feel like I, on one side I get it, but then on the other side I feel like, I feel like Brandon Hyde, the Orioles manager, should have got it. That's a team that people thought was going to lose 100 games, and they were uh, pushing the playoffs all the way to the end of the season. Yeah, they got they had an over 500 record. They were 83 and 79. Uh, so yeah, it was Brandon Hyde in second. I actually think Scott Service, not trying to uh, you know be Homer here, but they finished just two games behind Cleveland where Terry Francona manages. Uh, I thought Scott Service didn't get quite enough credit for what he did with a very young team. I mean, I think he did a great job, but when you actually look at their record, they didn't really improve from the year before with a better team. So, yeah, they made the playoffs, but that's because uh, the other playoff teams, the wildcard teams, weren't as good this year. Yeah. Uh, but I agree, Brandon Hyde is is a good call. Terry Francona has, this is his third AL Manager of the Year award. I think they're all with Cleveland. Um, and That's he, surprising. I'm surprised he didn't get it in um, in Boston, like in 04. He did not. He was fifth in voting that year. What? Crazy. He, he, here's a fun fact. He got his first nomination for manager of the year in 1997 i didn't so know he was managing who was he managing? how long he has been doing this uh some nl team let me look 1997 manager of the year was philadelphia he was the phillies manager and they went 68 and 94 okay <laughs> <laughs> i don't know right. why he was <laughs> Oh, but what? here's a here here's a better stat for you. Guess who? I'm sorry, this guess, just killed me. What? I'm going down on this rabbit hole because baseball stats are fun. Um, guess who won Manager of the Year in the NL in 1997? Uh, what's his what's his face? Um, John Jim Leland. No, it okay, was Dusty Baker. Ah, Dusty Baker. We, I should have known. He was a giant. He was that, in the, with the Giants then, right? Yeah. Pretty incredible that uh, two of the guys that finished in the top five voting this year also managed in 1997. Bring the old folks back, man. I love guess it. so, man. Uh, Buck, Schult- Buck Walter, it was his fourth time winning, also manager of the year. Okay. Good, good for them. The, the old guys getting their, getting their uh, credit where it's due. All right, anything else you have on the awards, or should we move on to the present? Let's move on to the present. Let's get into the, the hot stove, man. Not not very hot, but some things have happened. Yeah, so for those of you that don't, don't know, because we, uh, we, this is our first like entry into the offseason, the hot stove is a nickname for the, uh, the MLB offseason where kind of the hot stove is like keeping the – keeping the coals warm you know like even though the game's not being played there's rumors and there's trades and there's sightings uh and it it's the degree of heat has definitely fluctuated in the last decade you know we have some winters that are pretty dull and disappointing and others like this year where things are happening already i mean the world series just ended a little over two weeks ago and 
there was stuff pretty much like the week after the World Series. There was news. Yeah, and so, I think and with the like the recent off seasons, we okay, excluding last year, because last year was super weird, but the previous couple of years that had been uh really quiet. Like, we'd kind of gotten to this trend of not hearing anything to like after Christmas. So hopefully this kind of gets the ball rolling. We don't have to wait two, three months. Yeah. I'm gonna go in mostly chronological order here from uh the oldest news to the mo to the latest news. And Bobby, just stop me when uh, you want to go in depth. Edwin Diaz, closer for the New York Mets, signed a five-year, $102 million deal. I think it was like day after the World it was, Series. It, it was, was immediate. Like he, They had to been negotiating before that. Yeah, what do you think of that? I mean, one of the largest deals given to a closer, I believe. He's earned it, right? I mean, think about the season he had. It doesn't really matter... Here's the thing about especially baseball is that if you have a very good free agent year, like the year before you actually become a free agent, that sets your contract. It's not always your career resume, like as a whole. You could be pretty mediocre and then have just an absolutely stellar MVP caliber or make an all-star game or what have you. And like that's what makes you the money. So whatever year going into your free agency makes you the money. And he did. He showed up. And he yeah. wanted it to be there. They both wanted it. I think it's a good fit. I don't think he was ever going anywhere. His career in um, you know, New York was not as strong as his resume in Seattle the first three years of his career. Uh, he was an all-star in 2018. He then got traded to the Mets in 2019 and didn't make an all-star team again until this year. So you're right that it's like when you're in a contract year, you, you turn up that dial. And he got it, man. And I think, you know, I think it's the most lucrative relief contract. I think it's bigger than Chapman's was. Or all this Chapman. About $20 million a year. And, you know, when you compare it to position players or starting pitchers, it doesn't seem like a lot. But, like, relief pitchers are really volatile. Like, you don't know what you're going to get every year. You don't necessarily going to get the same pitcher every single year. It can fluctuate up and down. So, for him to get a five-year deal at that rate is huge. Huge, huge, huge. And just goes to show that Steve Cohen, like, <laughs> he just his, he, he's always going to put his money where his mouth is. He's going to lock people up. And uh, this is another example of that. Yeah, I mean, no disrespect to him, but it, it's an overpay. Like, there's, there's, it's very, very unlikely that he will even be the closer in that fifth year. It'd be unlikely maybe in three years he'll be the closer. You know, like, the way the game is, but... They probably know that too, but they want to lock him up just in case. Yeah. Uh, G-Man Choi, first baseman for the Tampa Bay Rays, uh, who's been there, it feels like forever, was traded to the Pirates for nothing. Uh, yeah. Some, some for, minor leaguers. There's a little bit of salt. There's a little bit of salt there, John. Yeah. Related news, Kevin Kiermeyer was not picked up by the Rays, so he's a free agent. He was their longest-tenured player. I mean, he had been there for, gosh, probably <coughs> years, Excuse me. something like that, maybe even longer than that. I'd, I'd have to go he back was, and look, I, He was their, yeah, longest-tenured player. Uh, the, the Rays appear <laughs> to not be trying to be competitive next year. I've, I've heard mean, not a that... couple different things. Either they are or they aren't. Like They're such a weird franchise. As soon as they break down, they're still good the next year. Kind of like Cleveland, I they find a way. Yeah, and that's why I'm not, like, it's not set in stone yet. But they, 
they just got rid of two, you know, rotation players for minor leaguers. Um, so you have to wonder, okay, what else is coming down the road? They never sign any big free agents unless their name is Nelson Cruz and they're 38 years old. Um, so <laughs> salt continues, you know, poured on, sodium levels high. <laughs> Sorry, I'm a little sassy. They didn't even sign Nelson Cruz. They traded for him during their oh, okay. playoff push. It made sense, John. I forgot about that, yeah. But they, they're not a free agent destination. So... Yeah, it's it's a little puzzling. I, I'm not super like attached to either of those players, so that's why I'm kind of. It's not like the end of the world. It's not like they traded Shane O'Mac, but you know, if yeah, they happened. did, I would probably break down and cry. So I'll make sure to get you on Facetime as soon as I hear the breaking news. Okay, uh, so we'll see what happens with the Rays. Big question mark for the yeah what they're gonna do. We'll see, man. They always have young talent they're a well-run organization so they'll find a way to compete i'm sure or maybe they're like know. you know what i don't think we're going to compete in this AL least for the next couple of years let's just stack up again on youth that might be the route they're maybe, going maybe they're a little scared of those uh, orioles down in baltimore they should be they're i dude orioles are good like they're only going to get better and i i've heard that they are going to be a dark horse this off season don't sleep on the Orioles they might get one or two big names uh we'll see could happen Clayton Kershaw every year the last couple of years yeah. has teased us next he's gonna leave the Dodgers next not news <laughs> he's of course he's back and of course he's back on the Dodgers you know what I mean one year deal still finding a way to be effective uh I he think will. he he and Verlander are probably the oldest pitchers that are still like I think Scherzer's man rotation. I think Scherzer's older than Kershaw. I think. Uh, yeah, that's true. I, I'll have to look it up, but I feel like Kershaw's. I think he made his debut in two thousand seven or two thousand eight. Like I think it's yeah. I think you're a right. Long time ago, two thousand eight. I think. Yeah, I mean, he's just doing one year deals. I don't think they're they're just giving him a year deal, and then he decides if he's going to retire or not. And if he doesn't retire, they're like, okay, we'll bring you back on a one year deal. It's just they're all player-friendly club deals like he'll be with the dodgers as long as he wants to be it's just it's whenever he wants to retire he'll retire yeah i'm looking it up now and actually they both started uh they both started basically the same year 2008 was when they got called up uh the difference and why i was right is that kershaw was like an everyday starter like over 100 innings in 2008, whereas Scherzer was like a relief guy his first year, and then he joined the rotation in 2009. Okay, John, you're right. For the Arizona Diamondbacks. That's right. I forgot he was on the Diamondbacks. I did forget that. The Astros re-signed their relief pitcher, Rafael Montero. I don't have... The numbers on that. I mean, front of me, all you got to say is a pretty big deal. Yeah, all you got to say is the Astros rotation, which comprised of three pitchers, which I think was Abreu, Montero, and Presley, had an ERA of 0.8 during the the postseason. So they had a lock and back up, and they did. He signed a three-year, thirty-four million dollar contract, which is massive for a non a non closer. I mean, that's that's chump change, though, at the end of the day, when you think about it. 30 million bucks. 
that's money yeah. well spent. The Astros, again, we've talked about it. They're young. They're locking up some of their younger players. Now they're pitchers. They're going to be so good for a long time. And them getting Montero locked up for a couple more years. Yeah, just continues to make him scary. Next move was Jock Peterson. Outfielders back with the Giants. That's a good move for them, especially if they're adding uh, another outfield bat. Don't even say something like that, John. Don't even say something like that. Tyler Anderson, uh, starting pitcher for the Dodgers, signed with the Crosstown Angels of Anaheim for a three-year, $39 million. Tyler Anderson, starting pitcher, really good, signed for the same amount almost as Rafael Montero, a setup. Yeah, it's that's crazy. Okay, Tyler Anderson had a lights out year, but he's kind of one of those projects that the Dodgers turned around. And so that's why some people yeah. are a little confused by the Angels. Like if you looked at stats alone, you'd say, hey, this is a great signing by the Angels. They need a number one starter, you know, obviously outside of Shohei. This is that guy. But Anderson's had like a rough up and down career and like the Dodgers kind of rehabilitated him and. <laughs> like the angels don't have the same organization. So there's kind of questions to say, um, is he going to be the same pitcher for the angels as he was for the Dodgers? So who knows if the track record speaks anything for the angels, it's probably going to be, no, it seems like everybody that signs there, just their career disintegrates in their first 60 games. Hopefully not. Agreed. Uh, Hopefully Anthony not. Rizzo onto the Yankees section of the yeah, podcast. Woo! He's a two-year, $34 million deal, and I think there was a third option on that. There is. Uh, so $17 million per season. What do you think of it, Bobby? I love it. I think he's great. He's a good fit for New York. He wants to be in New York. He can handle the pressure. He's a good clubhouse guy. <coughs> Sorry, I'm sick. I'm dying. <clears throat> um, he's a left-handed bat that we need in the short porch. Also, the shift is going away next year, so you got to imagine his average is going to bump up to probably like 250, 260 next year. He doesn't strike out as much. He's perfect. He's gold glove first baseman. I love the signing. We got him for two years, I think 34. <clears throat> and then there's a club option that if we pick up, I think gives him a third year, I think for another 17 million. Uh, and if we don't pick up the option, it's in a six... $6 million buyout. So he's guaranteed $40 million over the next two years at least. It's good. It's a good deal for everybody. There you go. Uh, and then Isaiah Kiner-Falefa, one of the best names in baseball. Uh, shortstop for the Yankees. Signed on a one-year $6 million deal. He was your new acquisition last offseason. You don't seem as excited about this one. And the way that I know that is it's not highlighted in bold, whereas Anthony Rizzo was. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it's not. IKF, I don't like, you know, I was on the, the big IKF look, defender. Would you let me so finish long. what I was going to say, John? I was going to say I was here defending him. And towards the end of the season and through the playoffs, I kind of flipped, I kind of flipped the script. And see what everybody else is seeing because he just <clears throat> he's not a good fit for us. He's got the yips. He doesn't have the mental fortitude. Yeah, he's just a problem. He's problematic. And but for whatever reason, Brian Cashman, 
and Aaron Boone seem to love him, and they just, they're just going to die. They're going to ride and die for IKF for whatever damn reason. And this is another example, because we could have non-tendered him, and he would have been a free agent. Should have done that. We have Peraza and Cabrera and Volpe all just waiting in the wing. We have so many infielders. IKF is not a guy that I can imagine will even be in our starting lineup next year. I really do think Peraza is going to get that starting shortstop position coming out of spring training. And as he should, he should have been the starter in September. He should have been the starter in the playoffs. It should have already happened. So this deal just, I think they, they feel like it gives them depth for utility because IKF can play third base. And there's some question marks there with Josh Donaldson. Maybe DJ comes back and plays third base. So I think it just, they feel like it gives them depth for $6 million. So I guess that makes sense, but IKF is just not going to be a pivotal part of our team by time July hits. So that's how I feel about that, John. Do you think that it signals they're not going to go get a one mm, of the big Yeah, they've already said they are shortstops. They've already said they're not going to. I mean, they're they're very much sticking to their young core, either Peraz or Volpe. I mean, Volpe was the number <clears throat> what one or two prospect in baseball. So they're really putting all their cards on the table for them. Uh, and I love okay. both. I love both of them. So I'd love to get Trey Turner though. I'm not going to lie. Like, he'd be perfect for our lineup. He'd be a perfect fix for our lineup, but they're not going to spend that money on him. I kind of hate that you guys have Oswaldo Peraza because I really like him. Why do you hate that? Because he's a Yankee? Yes, it's like, ah, I I have to hate this player, but I really like him. You don't have to. You can hate the team and respect the player, John. Yeah. Maybe I will. I mean, that's how I felt about Derek Jeter for the most part. Exactly. And there was people on the Red Sox. Jason Veritek was one of those guys growing up where I abs- obviously I hate the Sox, but I respected Jason Veritek. I thought he was like he was great for the clubhouse. He's a good player. He was solid. Still hated the team. Yeah. Excuse me. You will wait. You will wait. It'll be okay. Sorry, my cat is yelling at me. This- this is how Bobby talks to me when we're not recording. That's right. That's right, John. <laughs> uh, okay, so the big news in the Pacific Northwest is that the Mariners traded for Teoscar Hernandez from the Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, he was an outfielder. I thought he played left field last year. People are saying he's going to play right field. Is that I think, am I right on that? I think he was a right fielder. I'm thinking Lourdes Gurriel played in the outfield too. No, I can't. I think maybe they switched back and forth, but that makes that kind of, that makes sense. I'm trying to think of their outfield right now because Mitch Haniger. I feel like he's a free agent and he should be back, but maybe maybe this signals them moving on from Haniger. It sounds like they want to move on from Winker, so that's kind of what I more see this as. I think Teoscar Hernandez as a replacement for Jesse Winker, who was a huge disappointment and apparently a huge problem in the clubhouse. Yeah, so apparently I'm looking at games played. So Teoscar Hernandez started his career as a left fielder and then got the promotion, you could say, to right field. Uh, He played 110 games there in 2021 and 117 games there in 2022. So he's been a pretty good workhorse ever since he got into the league, uh, just in terms of games played. You know, he's averaging... uh, you know, about 130 games per season, which is pretty pretty good for an outfielder in today's game. Yeah, in today's I game, for say. sure. 
Um, he, when we go and look at batting, <clears throat> so he was an all-star in 2021 when he hit 32 home runs and batted 296. I don't think he's going to do that again. Well, I mean, he uh, had a he had a good year in 2022 as well. I think he had 25 home runs and yeah. batted somewhere it, it upward. It was a pretty. 280. It was a it was a pretty big drop off. He batted uh, 25 home runs, batting 267. So he, uh, I think, he had some injuries and whatnot. what you should expect from him going forward. I would say so. Like, still a, definitely a, a solid start. Yeah, well, John's builder. pessimistic attitude moving forward continues. Uh, I do think he will get 30 home runs. I think he is a 30 home run guy for sure. Look, and I think he's a great pickup for the Mariners. It gives them a lot of depth I, in their lineup. I did not say he was going to be a bad pickup. I just said that 25 home runs. And you're like, that's you're probably average. never going to get that again. <laughs> I think well, it look will. At what, look at what happened to Jesse Winker. Everyone's like, oh, all-star Jesse Winker. Yeah, and but Teoscar he Hernandez has, has been more. He's, I, I know it's only two years, but I feel like he has been um, has has a longer track record with success at the plate we'll, than Jesse Winker. We'll see did. about it. We'll see about it. Uh, so yeah, Jesse Winker, you you slid it in there that he uh, maybe wasn't good on the 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 locker room. There were reports that that came out that he just had a a really bad attitude, and it's what led to him not being on that playoff roster and uh I, you know he started the year rough and i wonder if it just like spiraled kind of out of control where like his negativity he felt he had to like bring others around him down like i could see that happening i obviously wasn't in the locker room mm. but kind of seems like when you're struggling some some players just kind of get this attitude that they need to make life miserable for everyone else yeah, one way or another, it doesn't sound like he was a good fit for them in the clubhouse. And he certainly didn't produce, so it makes sense for the Mariners to try to move on from him. Get out of here, Jesse Winker. We don't want you anymore. <laughs> get, get out of here. <laughs> okay, another Seattle move, a lot smaller. Kyle Lewis, uh, who... I hate that. I, I, I hate one of your it. favorites. He was like traded to Arizona, Arizona for uh, Cooper Hummel, who's a catcher for Arizona. Weird. Don't I mean, know Cal much Raleigh? About him. Like, I don't know. Seems weird. Uh, I will say something I've noticed is we talked about this on a past episode, I think. It does seem like there are certain relationships in the MLB between general managers that liked to totally. with each other. Yeah, Arizona and I the Mariners always like they're always making trades with each other. Frequent, very frequent, going back to that Cattell Marte for Mitch Haniger trade. Uh, and then you look at also Tampa Bay and Pittsburgh did a trade already this offseason. I feel like they do a trade every offseason. It, it's really apparent that there's some teams that just really, they like each other, they like their GMs. Uh, and this is kind of another another Arizona-Seattle trade. It's a good trade for Arizona. I really like Kyle Lewis. And I know he's he's been kind of struggling to get back up into a playing time. And then the position that he's at, this generational talent, once in a lifetime, All Star comes in, fills his role before he can get back. So I mean, he lost it. You know, he lost a position. I mean, Julio's there now. So it, yeah, it, to me, I think it's it's a it's a good thing. I think it points to Seattle's success that totally like, their their eyes are set higher than Kyle Lewis at this point, and they know that they can go out and get you know well, Teoscar Hernandez. They got Teoscar Hernandez, right? They got Julio, and then you know if they get Mitch Haniger back and right, that's a pretty that's a pretty beefy outfield. 
It is. I think Kyle Luce is too good of a player to be right in the bench. Like he deserves a shot to be in a starting lineup. And I think this trade was more for Kyle Lewis than it was for the Mariners. Yeah, for sure. The Angels get Gio Urshela, former Yankee. Gio! I love Gio, who, uh, man. Was in Minnesota. So uh, now year. you have a reason you have a reason to watch the Angels. Yeah, them and Tyler Anderson. Uh, at least I don't know. for the first ten games. It's weird <laughs> because Gio's a third baseman. They signed Anthony Rendon to a fat contract. He was also a third baseman. So I don't know what this means. Does this mean that Gio is now going to play shortstop? Because he is, he can play shortstop. Or does this mean that they don't believe Rendon is going to be back at third base? Like I'm not really sure what this says about their lineup. Could Rendon go to first? I don't know. Who's at first? I don't know the Angels line up that well. Maybe. But Probably not. There's, you know, nobody's at first. <laughs> That's right. There's really nobody else. You got Mike Trout and you got Shohei, and then everybody else is nobody. Exactly. Everyone else is tradable. It's not, you're not wrong. Uh, speaking of negativity, Cody Bellinger, oh, man. who I think it was his sophomore season, just was like MVP worthy. Uh, he's really fallen off. And MVP worthy. He, was... he did win MVP. Did he get it? Okay. Yeah, he won. I know he was a contender. Uh, he just really fell off once uh, 2019, 2020 hit and has never really figured it out since then. He, the team, the Dodgers had a choice to keep him for 18 million and they decided they weren't going to do that. They'd not pick up that club option. So he is a free agent. And it just is a reminder of, you know, time is short and you got to make the most of time when you have it because you might end up like Cody Bellinger. Dude. This is a thought, real quick. Cody Bellinger, his second year, won MVP, was considered to be one of the best players, if not the best player in baseball. People were saying that he was better than Trout. Now, four years later, he's a free agent, and he's probably never going to make money now. You know, I mean, that's all relative, right? But when you think about the season that he had and the traje- trajectory that he was on, the fact that he might be out of baseball in the next five years... And only make another, I don't know, twenty to thirty million dollars in his career, and the guy that yeah. potentially could have been a three hundred million dollar guy, like that's that's a pretty tough pill to swallow. Definitely one of the most head scratching players, and he just his timing was terrible in that you know he fell off before he got his first big contract. You know, kind of it reminds me of like Prince Fielder. Had a huge drop off too, but he, I believe he secured he was, the bag. He, I don't think, I don't remember if he secured the bag. The thing with Prince Fielder is that he never got bad. He was always good, but he just couldn't get rid of the injury bug. He was just constantly injured, and he got to the point where he said, "I just, I can't deal with it anymore. I got to retire." Yeah. So yeah, Cody Bellinger. We'll see where he gets signed. Somebody will take him. Blue Jays. Um, I think it's the Blue Jays. Maybe a one-year deal or something. Mm. Yeah, I would guess. I would guess they wouldn't sign him to anything more than one-year deal because right now he's a prove-it-or-lose-it type of guy. Yeah, he uh, last season he batted 210, which, you know, is better than his 2021. I mean, he played in a... You know what's amazing is he played in 144 games. Yeah, dude, like, they believed in him. They wanted him to work out. They, they tried as hard as they possibly could. They did. It just didn't happen. Good okay. Luck. 
Good luck, Cody Bellinger. Let's go through some predictions. Uh, we don't have to go through the whole list, but uh, we can make some quick predictions about where the agents, free agents are going to go. Do you want to start at the top of the list or the bottom of the list? You pick. You pick. You go. Let's, let's, start, let's start at the bottom, and then we'll end on the big names. Okay. Uh, starting pitching... Starting pitcher Nate Eovaldi, formerly with the Boston Red Sox. Where is he going? I mean, he. De- I think he declined a player option to go back to the Red Sox. I, I haven't heard anything big coming out of Nathan Eovaldi like territory as far as where he might go. Potentially the Angels. Like that's one team that like they're trying to build a rotation around Shohei. They got Tyler Anderson. Nathan Nivaldi, I think, is past his prime. I don't know. That seems like an angel move to me. It's kind of crazy that he's uh he's only 32 years old. It feels like he's been around a lot longer than that. To me. It does feel like that. I think he probably goes back to the Red Sox though. Like all ultimately I think he wants a longer deal. But yes, go ahead. He started his career in 2011. He was 21 years old. It's pretty young for a pitcher. I did not. He didn't seem like that type of young guy. He seems like one of those guys that came up when he was 25. Because you're right. It, it, he's been around for a long time. Yeah. Uh, I will say the Texas Rangers. <laughs> All right. All right. Jameson Tyone, starting pitcher for the uh, Yankees. Another former Pittsburgh Pirate, just like Nate Evaldi. Yeah, you know, the Yankees and Pirates kind of have had quite a few trades back and forth as well. So that's kind of one of those other pipelines. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. I, I don't think he's going back to the Yankees because the Yankees could have offered him uh, the qualifying offer, which would be a one-year, like, $19 million deal. They didn't want to pay him that. I don't think they want to bring him back. So it's it's hard telling. I mean, I don't know. Maybe Maybe the Mets? They're losing. Maybe DeGrom doesn't come back. I think, what, Bassett is also a free agent, so he's in New York. Maybe the Mets. Go with that. Okay, and I'm going to say Chicago White Sox. Okay. White Sox, yeah. You know, that's such a a weird thing because they had, like, what was perceived to be such a dominant rotation. And then last year, outside of Dylan Cease, everybody just imploded. Yeah, I think they get... They uh, try to find a second wind in him. J.D. Martinez, designated hitter, who uh, was with the Astros, well, Astros, Tigers, most recently Boston Red Sox won a World Series with him. Just one of the most consistent hitters in baseball, both power and average. But he's getting up there in age. Yeah, he is. I think he had a pretty good start to last season, and then he started to really trail off. I don't think he's back with the Red Sox. I honestly don't know. I think he's going to sign some sort of like maybe two-year deal with $30 million or something with, I don't need, like who needs a bat? Who needs the DH? Maybe like the Astros, you know? Because the Astros, They have a couple. I know they won the World Series, but they have a couple little holes that they need to fill. So let's say the Astros in a two-year deal. Okay. 
going to go with the uh, Cleveland Guardians. The Cleveland never signs anybody. I know, but I think that they they need some more offense. One of the rumors I'm seeing, too, is maybe the Diamondbacks. And that would make sense. I I really feel like he's going to probably actually sign with some sort of mid-level team. It's not going to be – he's not going to sign with the worst team. I don't think he's going to sign with the best team. I know I said the Astros, but it probably will be some sort of mid-level team like that's trying to compete. Like maybe the like a team like the Rangers or the Tigers, the Diamondbacks, one of those teams that thinks it's trying to get over the hump. I think uh, another player that fits that could be Mitch Haniger from Seattle. It's where he spent most of his career. He's battled with injuries quite a bit. Yeah, uh, but when he's when he's healthy, but when he's, he's there, man, he's a good player. I, I where's he going, man? <coughs> Sorry, I'm sort of fall apart here. I don't know. I would like to say that the Mariners bring him back because I think he means a lot to that team. I think ultimately it's back to the Mariners. Okay. Uh, we haven't we haven't had any uh, you know National League teams come in here, so I'm gonna drop drop a bomb here and go with the Milwaukee Brewers. I think they need an outfield bat. They seem like the type of organization that's like a little bit like the Mariners and the NL. Um, don't ask me why I think that. I just they're very like they need offense, analytics driven. They need an outfielder, so uh, that's who I'm going with. All right, totally random. It's I probably like not going to happen. I like that. All right, Andrew Benintendi. Man, you know, <clears throat> I think I really do think he'll be back with the Yankees because he fills a hole in the void that we need. We don't have anybody in left field. He's a left-handed bat. He's a contact guy. He's a plus defender. Still got speed. I know none of these are very interesting, but I, re- I think the Yankees like him a lot. I think he comes back. And see, this is the player that a lot of people think the Mariners are going to get as Mitch Haniger's replacement. I think that would be a good and fit, I'm, too. I'm buying into that okay. rumor. It'd be a good sign. It'd be a good signing for them, 100%. Third baseman, Justin Turner, Old Man Rivers, uh, the uh, Luck of the Irish representation. He looks like a leprechaun. Uh, but he's old. <laughs> he's, he's like 40 years old or something. Do you think he just... I think he's, he's not back with the Dodgers, is he? No, I think he is, because I don't think he wants to play anywhere else. I think this is one of those Justin... Uh, not Justin... Uh, Clayton Kershaw type things where <clears throat> Justin Turner's production's gone down, so they didn't pick up his his club option because they want to allocate money somewhere else. I think he knows that, so I think he'll kind of wait to see what the Dodgers do with their spending and whatever money they have left. I think they'll offer it to Justin Turner. I don't think he's playing anywhere else. He's so uh, involved into that community with his wife. I, He's. It might be a, like a February signing or something, but he'll he'll be back on just a cheaper deal. That's the only reason that they de- declined his club option. Okay. Uh, I'll. Do you think they use a spot on him though? 
the tough part. No. They always have so many players. I, I'll I'll go with you though. I don't know where else he would go. I just I don't. I just like, don't see him going anywhere else. I just don't see. He it. wants to go to a contender. I'm sure, but we'll see. No, I, I just don't Dodgers see it. Too. I don't see it. All right, Gene Segura, former Mariner. You know, I'm surprised the because I think the Phillies declined his option, which is kind of shocking to me. Uh, which means they're moving on from him. So I guess it was a $17 million option. I get it. I think it's because the Phillies want one of the players we're going to talk about talking about later. Yeah, I know you're ta- I know you're talking about. We'll talk about that. But yes, I think you're right on that. Obviously not going to be back with the Phillies. He's what? He was he was not playing shortstop. He's playing second baseman. I I don't know. Maybe you could see a reunion with the Mariners. They what they they released Adam Frazier or his contract expired, so they need a second baseman. And the mayor has been rumored to be contacting Yankees about Gleyber Torres. I think, yeah, maybe let me go on a limb there. Let's say Gene Segura back with the Mariners. I think that I think that's a good hole for them to fill. Yeah, I would hate that. You I, would hate that. I just, I just don't think that he's. I think his career is on the downswing. I mean, he's still touted as uh, the top three second baseman out there in free agency. So I'm not saying it's not a very deep class there, but. Possible. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna say Minnesota misses out on all the big names, and that's their consolation prize. Who do they have at second base right now? Is it? Um, well, I think he plays short for them. No, no. Who they got a young guy at short, don't they? Uh, you can talk about no. Correa, I guess, was at short, but they had, no. They still had a young guy at short that came up when Correa was hurt. What was his name? Royce Lewis. Yes. All right. We'll see. No, Gene Segura will not be a starting shortstop in this league. He'll be second baseman. Well, who's playing second in Minnesota? Is it Arias? He's an easy utility guy, but I think he plays Luis Arias. I think plays second base mostly. Second base is Jorge Polanco. Mm, Polanco. Okay, that was our old shortstop. I was thinking of him too. So Reyes is what, first base sometimes? I don't know. But I think Polanco moves around too. So they got a couple utility guys there. <clears throat> yeah, we'll see. Uh, Jose Abreu. I think it's the Houston Astros. They, uh, Yuli Gurriel is done. They sign. You don't think they resigned Gurriel? No, I don't. And I think they fill that position with Houston Astros. Houston Astros fill that with Jose Abreu. I think that's where he's going. Okay, I like that. Brandon Nimmo, utility man for the Mets. <sighs> Man, I know, I think the Blue Jays are going really hard after him, but I got to imagine the Mets are just, they don't want to lose him. And you know, Cohen is just going to throw out ridiculous amount of money. So I don't think they're going to get outbid. I think he's probably, he's probably back with the Mets. And if he's not with the Mets, it'll probably be the Blue Jays. Okay, I'm going to go with the Mets too. It seems like natural pairing. Carlos Rodon, starting pitcher with the Giants. Man, I feel like all of these are really boring. Okay, I think the smart thing for me to say would be that the Giants will re-sign him. I got this is two sided, so let me finish. The Giants will re-sign him because he was great for them, and I think they want to appear to be willing to spend to compete 
for another free agent that we'll talk about in a second. So I think they might go hard after Kyler Sardon because of that. But he'd be I think he'd be a really good fit for the Yankees. We need a left-handed starter. I don't think we're going to sign Jameson Tyone. Domingo Herman, I think, is on his way out. I, I think the Yankees might be, I know he might be there. Yeah, I'm going to put you down for San Francisco because uh, I think you're just wishing with the Yankees. I, do I think am wishing. He's gonna go to, I am wishing with the Yankees. <clears throat> I do think he's going to go to the state of New York, Bobby. I think he's going, he's the Mets, going to go huh? to the Mets. I think that's, I could easily they see really, that too. They, Chris Bassett's gone. Taiwan Walker, gone. Jacob deGrom, gone. They're they're going to look to sign a big name. And you know the Mets, they will. They will. Take they that have the to money. the bank. Uh, Wilson Contreras, catcher, who, uh, gosh, he's played a lot of places. Uh, Chicago Cubs? He said he's played a lot of places. He's played one place. It's been Chicago. I, I'm thinking of his... Uh, I'm his brother's of his younger brother. His younger brother's playing on the Braves. He was a rookie this year. What are you talking about? I, Bobby, I'm thinking of the Cubs and the Braves. That's a lot of places. Okay. <laughs> yes. um, this is Bobby and John after dark. Wilson Contreras. I've heard maybe the Astros, but I think probably the Cardinals. I think he replaces Yadier. I think that's the natural place for him. I think he's going to Cardinals. Okay. I'm going to say Houston. Uh, for Christian Vasquez. Xander Bogarts. He's an interesting one, because I think there's a lot of places he could go, depending on where other people go. True. I I don't know if I can definitively say... I don't know. I got to think about the trickle-down effect. Okay, so... If that person's going there, and that person's going there, which I think, then... Man... And I don't know if he'll stay at shortstop. I don't know why I think the Mets and why I think he'll be a third baseman for the Mets. But that's kind of what I'm thinking. That is a really weird one. Uh, I got one for you. He is going to go to the National League. He's going to go to the Chicago Cubs because the Cubs... I've heard the Cubs in the mix. They want to compete now. They're ready. They're tired of losing. And one of the other rumors, I've heard the Cubs... The Cubs will land one of these big names. I just don't know who it is. I don't know who it is yet. But Xana Bogarts easily could be that person. I keep seeing, and I know I <laughs> is that maybe the Yankees could be a fit for him too because we have a big hole at third base, and I don't think he'll be as expensive as those other big-name shortstops. So but that would be really cool. Play, does he want to play third? I don't know. I don't think he does. does. He like being a so that is a hurdle. Yeah. Uh, I don't, And he could be. We could bring him in at shortstop, but I don't think we will. Why would we sign him when we know that we want Peraz and Volpe up there within the year or at next year? So I think if we somehow did sign him, it would be for third base. Okay. <coughs> Dansby Swanson. He's got to go back to the Braves, right? Guy. He's got to. Yep. The Braves have a good thing going. They do. Keep that team together. I do see the dark, dark horse team being the Cubs there, though. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. Um, Carlos Correa. He's a Dodger. Like, I don't think there's a question about it. I know, like, Minnesota says we're committed to resigning them. He said, oh, I had a great time in Minnesota. He's going to the Dodgers. Like, they don't have Trey Turner anymore. They lost 
Corey Seager. He's going to the Dodgers. Quote me. Okay, I'll, I'll agree with you there. Jacob DeGrom spent his whole career in one team with the Mets. Yeah, see, I don't... He's a kind of an enigma to me. I don't... I honestly don't know if I feel confident one way or another where he's going. A lot of people really feel like he's going to the Rangers. Uh... And I just don't know why he would do that. I think he might get the most money from the Rangers. But he's, what, 35 or something? 34, 35? I, I think he wants to compete. The Rangers are not going to compete next year, maybe the year after. They could be viable. But I don't know. I don't know if I can put my finger on exactly where I think Jacob deGrom is going to go, what he wants. You know, I know he's from... A, Georgia or Atlanta, and so people are thinking the Braves. The Braves are not going to spend that much money on anybody. So I don't think it's Atlanta. So I think it's either between Texas or the Mets. But I couldn't confidently say which one. Okay. See, I was going to say the Braves because they have all these team-friendly contracts with their young players that they actually can afford to spend big on a free agent. They could, but they won't. Okay. I'm going to say Atlanta. All right. Maybe I'm really wrong, but this is, in terms of, like, their salary structure, this is the time to get an expensive starting pitcher because this is the cheapest their team will ever be. We'll see. Justin Verlander. I think it kind of depends on, I don't know. Do you think he falls before DeGrom does? What do you think? Because I think... They'll both affect each other. Maybe. I mean, I would like to say that he's going back to the Astros. But I kind of think he's not going to. I think he's at the end of his career, and I know he wants to pitch forever. But I think he's going to try to get wherever the place is going to give him the most amount of money, I think, is where he's going to go. And I don't think that's going to be Houston. So part of me thinks that uh, the Mets could be that team. Interesting. Uh, yeah, this is a this is a tough one, just because I feel like he also he's gonna want a lot of things, right? He's gonna want to um, he's gonna want to win. He's gonna want to be paid a lot. But he also needs a good situation around him, you know? Like, he needs the right staff that he believes in that can that can work with him. And I think he wants a big market. I think so. I'm going to say that I know I said Carlos Rodon to the Mets, but if Carlos Rodon doesn't go to the Mets, I could see... Uh, I could see Justin Verlander going see? there. See? All right. With, We're with on the same Max page. Schuster. The geriatric geriatric rotation the Mets might have. They were teammates back in the dinosaur ages. That's true. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, they were both teammates with the Tigers. A reunion. Who would have thought? Yeah. All right. Two more left. Trey Turner. Shortstop. I, I think all of the rumors and everything's pointing to one team, and that's the Philadelphia Phillies. Yeah. I agree with you there. You, you've mentioned it several times in our last few episodes. He's from the East Coast. He's ready to go back home. I think it's a good signing for them. I think that's, yeah, 
I, I, I think that's where he goes. And then last but not least, all rise. All rise. Uh, man, I, I mean, I just have to say the Yankees. I just have to say the Yankees. Hal Steinbrenner and Cashman so far have been saying the right things. And I think I really do think Aaron Judge wants to be in New York. I think he wants to be a Yankee. I think Anthony Rizzo was actually like low key a really good sign because Anthony Rizzo and Aaron Judge are really good friends. Rizzo had opted out of his contract, and I think I don't I really don't think Rizzo would have re-signed with the Yankees if he felt like Judge wouldn't be back. So I think low-key Rizzo's signing is a sign. It's foreshadowing Judge coming back to the Yankees. So I think it's got to be then. And I've I've heard rumor like so they technically they've uh, they put out an offer to Judge, and I think rumored is it's somewhere in the three hundred and forty million dollar range. Don't know how many years that is because that can that could be a big deal to Judge too. I don't know. I mean he's gonna be thirty one. I can't imagine he'll look for a 10-year contract into his 40s. So if you're looking at eight years, $337 million, it's somewhere in the $42 million AAV, uh, which would clearly make him the highest paid position player of all time. So we'll see. We'll see if those rumors are true. We'll actually see what the offer is and how long it takes for him to decide. I agree with you. I think... I think the Giants will make a serious effort, and I think the Yankees will just say we have no option. Like, we don't, and that's you're exactly right. They just they don't will say we will write you a blank check because we we can't afford to lose you. They really can't. What is our team without you? And you know, Judge does gain a lot from being in New York. It's the biggest market in the world. So if he's looking to make money, he's going to make money there. But if he's looking to build his brand and do whatever he wants to do, there's just no better place for him. I know he's from the Bay Area in California, but yeah, if he's looking on the business side of things, there's just no better place for him than New York. Yeah, kind of boring. But, you know, most of these other players we have going to a different team, actually. We've been pretty aggressive with the uh, new destination theme. I think, well, who do I got? Let me, I got Mitch Hanniger, Justin Turner, Andrew Benintendi, and Brandon Nimmo. You also have Dansby Swanson. Dansby Swanson. So, yeah, it's maybe like a quarter, 20% of the, the players we went through going back to their team that they were on last year. I feel like usually it's higher than that. Totally. Yeah, I, I do think there's going to be a lot of movement, so... It'll be interesting to see when the first big domino falls. What do you think? What's your over and under before Christmas? That one of these? That one of guys? these players. Big players, I should say. Let's, yeah, let's say even what? Yeah, let's not count in, like, you know, Jameson Tyone and Gene Segura. Let's talk about the big guys. What about, yeah, Top the 10. big ones? Oh, yeah, certainly before Christmas. You think so? E- easily. Yeah. All right. One of them will. All right. Who do you think is the first person to fall? Um, I could see. I think it'll probably be somebody who returns to their team. So, like, I could see it being Dansby Swanson, like Dansby? Brandon Nimmo, <clears throat> uh, 
Or you know what? What would be really good for baseball is if Aaron Judge just gets it out of the way and then everybody else can start doing their thing. Yeah, and then I can enjoy the offseason rather than having anxiety every time I wake up. Yeah, I mean that too. But like sometimes you just need that big domino to fall. And if it doesn't, then everything gets pushed back. I think the shortstop situation is going to be interesting because once that first shortstop goes, I think they're all going to go. Okay, we'll see. I, You know, I think one of the last players will be Wilson Contreras because catchers usually are the good catchers. I feel like kind of wait for the big position players to go first and then they go. <laughs> see what money is left. Team. Yeah, they go to the team that they think they're going to win the most with after the transactions have been made. That's a good point. I don't, I don't have any evidence to support that, but uh, catchers are kind of forgotten. I know, and I know you don't like catchers very much too, John. I think catchers are great. I just don't understand why they can't hit the damn ball. <laughs> they got bigger priorities, controlling the rotation. All right, anything else we... Uh... We had a lot to talk about did. with our two weeks off. Yeah, yeah. Got, I think we got a good amount in. Um, yeah, just waiting for that big domino to fall. We'll see if it happens in the next two weeks. Maybe we'll have something more to talk about. We shall see. We will be back two weeks later for now. There will be some news, but between now and then, I hope you all have a good Thanksgiving. Enjoy uh, time with family and good food. And, you know, we will be back. You will be back. after that. That's right. Have a good week. Happy Thanksgiving. We'll see you in two weeks. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, at Yankee6, and at Thorpe Theory. Toodles. All right. Talk to you later, folks.